Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, guys, and uh, good afternoon. So this is my second show this week. Um, I usually don't do two shows in a week, but during November I like to uh, kick it up a notch. Apparently I think I'm Emerald Agassi for some reason. But, um, you know, I I wanted to try and do as many shows as I could in November. I did that last November also. Um, you guys, I wanted to try and bring you as many adoptees with their stories as I could. And um, this guest, like my guest on Tuesday, you know, I have, like, the most amount of respect for. And, um, you know, uh, Rhonda spoke at our conference in April, so those of you who got to come to that got to hear her story and and know it, and, um, you know, Rhonda's got an amazing story, so if you heard it, you know it, it's, it's, you know, one of those amazing ones, and, you know, some people who hadn't heard it were like, where did you find her? You know, she doesn't go around, you know, bragging or touting it, but I'm telling you what, if... (laughs) If I had her story, I'd be telling anybody who'd listen. Um, you know, most of us, you know, think, you know, maybe I come from royalty or, you know, you know, maybe I look like so-and-so. Um, and Rhonda doesn't do that. I mean, she kind of keeps her story, you know, um, you know, tucked away, and I'm sure it's kind of hard to have a big story and wonder, do people, like, you know, wonder if my story's real? Well, it is real. And... Um, She's going to talk about it today and tell you about it, and um, so hope you guys are listening and will, you know, you know, listen to the details. And she has a book, so she's going to tell you about that. And so I'm going to read a couple of sentences, and I'm going to let her expand on it and tell you more of how everything kind of came together because it's hard to put all of this in facts and and to you know, put everything down, and then, you know, it's hard to explain all of this and and have your, your peeps, you know, understand that this is what happened. So this is a little snippet of the beginning, and this is how you guys can have her then explain everything. So Renee Irene Gafford was given up for adoption in 1956. She was adopted by Jim and Jean Lee Noonan and was raised in the wheatlands of north-central Oklahoma as Rhonda Noonan. In 1980, she began a quest to find her biological grandfather she was told had cared about her. The journey was 30 years long, but ultimately rewarding. As she found her birth mother and the identity of her birth father. Okay, so I'm going to stop here because the rest of it, it reveals everything. So, Rhonda, I'm so glad you could come on, and you and I have known each other for quite a few years now, Um, so thanks for coming on and telling everybody your story. Oh, it's my pleasure, Pam. Thanks for having me. 
you know, well, you, I don't uh, know where you want to start because, I mean, I guess we can go back, but, you know, for most of us, you know, it took us years to get to our answers, but yours was even more complicated. So you kind of lead me down the path of kind of how you started it, and gosh, it took you a while. It, 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 I'm old. It took me a while. Uh, <laughs> you know, unlike unlike a lot of kids who fantasize that they may have, you know, famous biological people, I, I didn't. As a matter of fact, yeah. I always just—I I really dismiss that. I'm—I'm I'm a mental health therapist, and I've worked, oh, I would say probably 35 years with with adoptees and adoptive parents and biological parents have facilitated, you know, reunions over the years. And uh, you know, I used to sit in groups with teenagers who would who would hypothesize about who their biological parents were and you know were they were they famous were they movie stars and and right. I, I remember thinking I remember thinking before I finished my search you know how how sad I felt that was because the likelihood of that was just next to nothing you know right. it was much more likely that they'd find someone you know who had had a very very difficult life right so I didn't ever fantasize about that I you know my my maternal grandmother was overheard a caseworker when I was being adopted make a comment that if you heard the last name of one of the babies being adopted, you would know right away who it was because they were famous. Mm-hmm. So my grandmother kind of carried this thought that maybe there was a little more going on than should be going on. And that was, uh, you know, further highlighted by the fact that you know, the FBI showed up in town questioning them and my adoptive parents' employers. And, you know, when you when you come from a little town of 3,000 people, uh, it's it's a big day when the FBI shows up. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And my, you know, my <laughs> adoptive parents' phone had been tapped. You know, they they were instructed by the Department of D... Uh, of human services that they couldn't communicate with anyone unless they called from their home phone. So, you know, uh, there were a lot of things that pointed to the fact that this probably wasn't an ordinary family. Uh, but it wasn't that I ever had ideas that they were famous. Actually, as I went through my search and things began to point more and more to the Churchills and Winston Churchill, because my grandfather was always the one I was looking for from the very beginning. You know, people say, well, you know, why were you looking for him? Because he was a famous one. And my response is no, actually, I had been told at the very beginning of my search that I had had a grandfather who had loved me. And what resonated within me, you know, being an adoptee who felt a great deal of grief and loneliness uh, was the fact that someone had loved me. And I knew that that person was my paternal grandfather. So he had always been the one that I had searched for from the very beginning. It had nothing to do with me thinking he was famous or, you know, anything of the sort. It was just because I knew he was the one who had loved me. Right. So, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, when you when you think these things and I mean it just makes you so mad that you you don't you didn't get to meet them though I mean 
you know, to think that, I mean, not only was he important, though, to not to have ever gotten to, you know, said anything to him or, you know, to know that importance, that that would just make me just, like, want to spit nails. I mean, you know, because... (laughs) You know, you, that that feeling of missing out, you know, and, I mean, whether, regardless of his importance, you know, take away his title and everything, just the thought that that he wanted, you know, you taken care of and, you know, those feelings towards you, you know, because, you know, my aunt said that, you know, because my dad, I never got to meet my dad either, and she said, you know, he would have wanted to have met you. And of course, we don't know that. I mean, I don't, I don't know that for sure. But just the thought, and when she said that, it, it just makes me so mad that we don't get to meet them. You know, um, those feelings well, just make me burn. <laughs> yeah. It, well, sure. I mean, I, I, I would have loved to have met him. Absolutely. You know, for a right. long time in my search, I. Uh, I thought I might find a cotton farmer in southeastern Oklahoma. Right. And, you know, it didn't quite turn out that way. But I can tell you that one thing about that, it's kind of a mixed bag. One thing about that that would have made it easier, in a sense, is that it would be much more likely that family would have embraced me and I would have had relationship with them. Now, I do, I do have a relationship with my biological sisters on my mother's side. I have four of them. So I've been very fortunate uh, to get to know all of them. Uh, but yeah, there's absolutely, there's disappointment because he was, he was the one I was looking for, but, but ultimately, you know, I have to say we all have to find our own way and not just claim an identity, but I think everyone has to create one. And, you know, it helps when there are identifiable similarities, you know, with your ancestors, absolutely. When you can look someone in the eye and see why you look the way you do, why your mannerisms are as they are, why your preferences are as they are, you know, why you right. think the way you think, you know. Right. Um, but I don't think that can stop our own internal quest to become according to our own strengths and our own values and our own life experiences and I think that's important for adoptees to remember that a search is certainly not an end all in terms of creating your own identity it can't be uh, so you know what, well, I, what, I, what I've passed on I've, I've tried to help people understand is that uh, searches are very spiritual endeavors as you know Right. They're very they're very spiritual endeavors and I can tell you that time and distance have not in any way erased or destroyed my connection with Winston Churchill. He's been he's been with me the entire way. You know, I told some stories at at the conference about ways in which he he made his presence known to me. And, uh, you know, one of them I'll just, I'll share was when I was, I was in England for the first time and in London and 
you know, I had been to his home and I had been to the Churchill War Rooms and the Parliament Building and stood where he stood. I had a very nice guide who who really went over and above to show me, you know, where he would have been when he gave his speeches and that kind of thing. And uh, so that was all meaningful. But uh, I, as I was making my way through Portobello Market, I was kind of talking aloud to myself. And I said, you know, Pops, I, I would really like to find something that's meaningful, you know, in terms of my relationship with you. You know, I purchased a lot of, uh, you know, trinkets here and there, but nothing that really meant anything, just touristy right. stuff. Right. So I, I, I see an elderly lady in, in this tent, and she has jewelry, and she had brooches, which never were, you know, really of much interest to, to me, but she had some very interesting ones, and, and my I was drawn to one immediately, and I thought, okay, you know, I'm going to have to have this. I wasn't really sure why, but it had right. a crescent moon. And, yeah, it had a crescent moon and a and a swallow in it, and and flowers on the the moon, and it was really stunning. It was silver and and gold, and and I said to her, I'm I'm going to have to have this. And she said, Well, would you like to know what it means? And I said, Absolutely. And she said, Well, it means come home to me, safe journey. Don't forget me. You know, so that's not exactly the words, but that's the gist of it. Right, right. And I, and I was just flabbergasted. You know, I just, my hair stood on end because I had just put out there, you know, the wish that I would find something. So, so what I get is, you know, come back home. Uh, so she went on to yeah. tell me that it was, you know, it was of the, you know, in the forties and a lot of people had these because of the war and, and, uh, I said, well, you have no idea what this means to me. And right. So, you know, I've had those experiences throughout. They've been they've been really constant. So they're very uh they've been very reassuring and left me feeling loved and and acknowledged, if you will. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I I can't imagine. I mean, it's I mean, to have him be that important of a person and be, you know, his history be so steeped in around that area. You know what I mean? To just be everywhere. And, you know, I mean, part of you, not not out of bragging or, you know, anything like that. It almost brings tears to my eyes. But, you know, you just want to say, I belong to them, him into into this place, you know. And not because you again, not because of bragging, but you want to say I belong here. I belong to him, to them, you know. But, you know, um and every time I say anything about that and what was the series I can't remember now the name is escaping me that was on um that oh, what's his name played, you know, him and he he was way too tall to really play him. Um, John Lithgow. John yeah, Lithgow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did such, like, an amazing job of playing him. And all I could think mm-hmm. of was you when I was watching that series, you know, and I was like, I wonder what you were thinking of him. And every time there's a quote, you know, I think of you when I see these quotes now, you know. Um, mm-hmm. To be connected to that, that's, I mean, that's got to be like... Um, 
you know, you've got to think that, you know, that's, you know, that's part of you. And not many of us get that, you know. Well, very few of us get that. And it's not about being famous or anything like that. That's your history. That's your family. I can't well, imagine one thing that. I've learned, yeah, one thing I've learned in this through this experience is that Winston continues to be a ferocious energy in the universe. He really does. And, uh, you know, there's a movie coming out next month that I'm really looking forward to to seeing. It's gotten quite a bit of, of, of good press already. But so yeah, you know, it's I've been fortunate in my in my travels to get to meet people who knew my sister well, who knew my brother, who knew my dad well, uh, and I've been ex- extremely thankful for that. Probably the most important thing I, I was able to do was spend time with Michael Evis, who who has the Glastonbury Festival. If you've ever seen that on television, my sister Arabella was. Uh, one of the founders of the Glastonbury Festival. So to be able to to visit a bit with Michael and stand with someone who knew my father well and and was very very close to my sister and to see me and recognize the physical similarities and the the mannerisms that I have that are biological was right. was absolutely precious to me. So I you know I've been I've been fortunate. I don't feel like I've suffered any kind of loss in this whatsoever. Uh, right. Now, I will I will say, I will say that I, I think it is a little extra isolating, if you will, to find uh, famous people, at, you know, being an, an adoptee. They're, not only are they obviously less likely to embrace you, but I think it it tends to isolate you from other adoptees as well. You know, mm-hmm. there's either there are the there are the naysayers, or there are the people that say, "Well, you just searched because you thought you were famous," which is just nine times out of ten, that's just absurd. Uh, right. You know, so it, it does tend to be kind of isolating. I, I will right. say. Because there aren't, I, I guess there just aren't many people in the same boat, maybe. Uh, but I've, I've talked to other people who were adopted out of famous families, and and we all feel similarly that it can be a particularly difficult spot to be in. So you right. know, I don't, I don't know. You know, some people find the potato farmer, and every once in a while, someone finds, you know, a Winston Churchill. But uh, they each carry each experience carries its own difficulties and you know and advantages. So, right, right. What life, well, what life and that's a shame be. that I mean that there is that that I don't know whether people if there is some there's I would imagine maybe there is some jealousy to it because you know like. Even though I know you said you didn't, I mean, I would say a good portion of people go. You know, maybe we've, maybe we do have some some famous parents or some, you know, there is something because we struggle with our ident- identity. And if you know there there is someone famous attached to us, then that that gives us an instant identity. So you know, boom. 
we don't have to, you know, um, develop our own or it helps us, you know, you know, give us something extra. Um, and I think, you know, maybe there is some jealousy there. And maybe that that is some of the reason for it, you know, which is a shame. That That's really, really sad, you know, but... Uh, I hate that. Well, I hate that. At the risk of sounding maybe a little Pollyanna here, I, I will say that in my old age, I've come to understand that you know every human being, every human being has value and strengths and admirable qualities. So I think. You know, if I had found the potato farmer, I'd have been able to sit with him and come to understand him as a person. With my with my granddad Winston, what I'm relegated to are thousands of books written about him. Mm-hmm. And thank God for that because I feel like you, you know, if you read enough, you're going to get a real a real good view of the man. So, I'm very I'm fortunate you know, the, the same way I'm unfortunate, I'm fortunate that he was famous because there is a trail of information everywhere about him. So, right. And pictures. You know, a lot of people, you know, if you find biological family and they don't accept you, you know, you may never have a picture of them. You may never have right. anything to put in your wallet. I, you know, I'm sitting in my office right now and I have collages of my granddad at all you know, all different times of his life. So I'm blessed in that sense. So, it, you know, it's right. a mixed it's a mixed bag for sure. The, the family, I don't hold any, any ill will toward them. You know, I think the absolute best of the Churchills uh, died with Winston. And he's who I was looking for. So I, I don't, uh, the rest of it r- truthfully really doesn't matter to me anymore. Yeah. So, and how did your yeah? How did your mom handle? I mean, all of that. I mean, how did how was that handled with her? I mean, what did you know? I mean, all that was obviously kept hush. So, um. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Nobody. Nobody knew. Nobody knew who it was. You know, I eventually found the DHS worker who had met with my father to or to finalize everything and, and have him sign the paperwork related to the adoption. I, I found her just about two years prior to her death, and she died at 96. <clears throat> so I was just under the wire <laughs> with her, or I never right. would have had, you know, I never would have had definitive knowledge of what had happened. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, there were connections. There were a lot of connections to Oklahoma City in my little town. And uh, there was a group in Tonkawa, actually, in the 50s that had a nickname, the Tonkawa Mafia. And they had the nickname because they were in, oh, they did some bootlegging and ran some whorehouses and whatnot. But they were in kind of in bed with the governor and, and his cabinet and had a lot of uh, illegal business dealings. And uh, these groups, most of them were Masons, 
and my adoptive mom's uh, father was a Mason. Actually, he was head of the state, was Grand Master of the state of Oklahoma at one point, so he was high up in the Masons in this state. So there were lots of connections to the governor's office. He knew the governor. He knew Lloyd Rader, who was head of the Department of Human Services at the time and extremely powerful, much more powerful than the governor was. Uh, so there were lots of connections to Oklahoma City in terms of my adoptive family. But they didn't they didn't actually know who it was. But like I say, my grandmother, the caseworker tried to tip my grandmother off as much as she could without giving her a name. Right. Uh, but my, my grandma said, you know, I, I always knew that she was talking to me because she was looking at me across the room. So, right. You know, there, there was that, but... Truthfully, I, I, I never bought it, uh, and like I say, as, as I turned over more and more stones and it began looking like Randolph Churchill was my biological father, uh, I, I couldn't believe it. I really didn't know what to do with it, and it was overwhelming. Right. I thought, no one will ever believe me. This is just crazy. I'm nuts. You know, maybe I need to sign up for a CAT scan. There's something wrong with me. Uh, so yeah who's going to believe you I mean yeah I mean seriously I mean that who is going to believe anybody that it's going to be someone famous I mean that goes for you know any of us you know yeah I mean yeah that's why you know that's why I wrote a book because literally I said many times if it hadn't been my own life I would never have believed it it was that wild so right I, I totally understand when people look at me and, you know, kind of shake their head. I, I get that. I understand. Uh-huh. I, I did the same thing many, many times. Yeah. I mean, it's it's such a – It was. I, I'm sure you probably thought, I don't know if I want to go down this road. I mean, to to have to prove it to yourself even is, is difficult. I mean, let alone to the rest of the world. So – I, I can't imagine the struggle. That had to have been difficult. Well, the the but, evidence had to be over, it had to really be overwhelming, you know. Yeah. And and then when I when I finally found the DHS worker, you know, it was uh it was all over but the shouting then and you know, ultimately we can just do what we can do and I you know, I let the right. Churchills know about about me and that I was out here. And if they wanted to communicate with me, that was fine. If they didn't, that was fine. And and I've never, ever uh, pushed myself on them uh, in any mm-hmm. way, and I wouldn't do that. For one thing, it's just not that it's not that big a deal to me anymore. But right. it's just not that's, – that's not who I am. I, I, found, I found who I wanted to find and couldn't be more delighted with that and – with the relationship that I feel like I developed with him through through the search, and uh, and today, you know, I I never feel like I'm I'm too far from him, and um, it's it's very as strange as this may sound to people listening, it's very comforting to me. I don't like I said, I don't feel like I've I've lost anything. And they've never really they've never really reached out or anything. No, uh, I think there's a possibility that 
that a family member might in the future. But hmm. you know, if they don't, that's, that's perfectly fine. It, it really right. is. I, I, I have been very, very blessed, and believe me, I, I know and am thankful for the fact that I did have the ability to find him because there are many, many out there who cannot. And I am so familiar with that sense of despair and agony right. and heart heartache that I don't for one minute ever cry in my Wheaties, you know, oh, why did I not know Winston Churchill? Uh, right. I, I'm very, very thankful that that I found him, that I've been able to retrace a lot of his steps and will continue to do some of that in the future, you know, travel and spend time not just in the UK but other places that he he enjoyed in his life and uh, you know, I'm ex- I'm extremely blessed. I I want for nothing. Right. I'm thankful. Well, and I'm glad you found your mom too. I mean, you know, so it's it's mostly full circle. I mean, to its you know, full I mean it, 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 it is. Yeah. yeah. My my birth mother was will say significantly traumatized by by everything that happened around my adoption. Uh I have four half sisters that that I love and have welcomed me with open arms. Uh, that's wonderful. Yeah, so you know, my mom would never tell the story. She she died and took it to her grave. But my sisters absolutely believe me. They saw enough and and recognized enough about what I was saying to know that it was true. And uh, so I'm thankful for that. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 well, you got to wonder if, I mean, I, you've got to wonder that, um, if I don't, I mean, I mean, I don't know, but I mean, I wonder if she wasn't in some way threatened or, you know, what was said to her if if she spoke up, you know? Oh, um, yeah, I, I don't have any doubt, yeah. I don't yeah. have any doubt, you know. Yeah, I've been like a mental you health are professional. quiet, you know. Um, I, love, I love when you, <laughs> when we were at the conference and, you know, you were talking to your, and I, I hate the, trying to segregate our parents out, but for the sake of segregating to say the story, when you said to your adoptive mom, you know, did she not think that was weird when the, the FBI came into your home, that, that little story, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> I yeah. love that little part, you know. You're like, did you not think that was weird, Mom? Do you not, you know, think something might have been up? And your mom was like, I did think that was a little weird. I mean, that was a little <laughs> odd. <laughs> Um, well, you know, it, it was a different time, you know. Right. In, in the 50s, you, you know, it's like, it's exactly like she said. She said, you know, we just, we did what we were told, and the FBI sure. came, sure. and they, they wanted to know about the family, and we told them, and we figured it had something to do with you, but we didn't know what. And, and you know, my response was, well, Mom, I don't think the FBI spent their time running around placing babies. I don't think that was what right. they did. Right, then, right. Or today, for that matter. Uh, well, but. and again, you know, in in that time frame, people didn't think, you know, 
People didn't think like they do today. Today we question things much, much more. We are we're we're trained now to question things where, you know, forty and fifty years ago people did not question question authority like we do now. Um it's just not right. like that. Today we would. We would be like, wait a minute something's not right. I mean, not that people didn't question things cause they, because they did, but not to the level that we do now. You know, it's a totally different, um, you know, it's totally a different, you know, depth, I think, that we do. And right. so your parents were doing what they were told, and they did in that time frame. And right. so they probably gave it no thought. They probably just thought, you know, maybe, you know, things were just, you know, being checked out a little further for your adoption. You know, maybe that's what they thought. And, you know, why would they think it had anything to do with Winston Churchill or somebody famous? They would have no clue to that, you know. I mean, I wouldn't think they probably thought that at all. Well, you know, in hindsight, I think think my mother's, my adoptive mother's father knew the, the Mason. He was uh-huh. uh, oh he was he was academic dean and president of the college in town and he was on the board of regents for the state and so he knew he he knew everyone including the governor and Lloyd Rader and I think probably in hindsight he probably did know who it was but if he had if he had said I will not tell anyone that would have been the end of it and, right uh, I did I did ask him before he died but he. He told me he didn't know. You know, I I remember during my search at one point when they passed the Freedom of Information Act legislation, I I petitioned to get any FBI files related to Randolph Churchill and and my grandparents, et cetera. And anyway, uh, that didn't go anywhere, but uh, I did end up talking to an FBI agent at the Pentagon at one point because I just, I called and called and called until I got someone. And he said, well, ma'am, in the 50s, there would have been only one reason the FBI would have been involved in an adoption, and that would have been if it had involved a foreign dignitary or a foreign diplomat. And I said, well, bingo. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what I'm like, thinking. Dun, dun. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that pretty much answered your question right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They Wow. They had gone to they had gone to such lengths to make it to cover it up, you know, my birth mother uh, two months after it probably would have been about a month after she had discovered she was pregnant because it was about two months after she became pregnant that she uh went with her best friend to uh a hotel in Oklahoma City, and they were sitting in the bar having a drink. You know, it was illegal in 56. Prohibition was still in place. And uh, a fella sat down beside her, and she immediately asked him if he would take her to her house. And uh, he did, and she got all of his information, his his name, where he was from, et cetera, and passed that on to the Department of Human Services as my biological father. They they uh, slept together, and then he left, and that became one of the 
one of the five different last names that I had in, in my young life. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so, I mean, the, you know, the trail was really muddied, and they went to great lengths to cover it up. They They did a good job. It wasn't easy to unravel it. Wow, that must have been so... So you had five different last names? Yes. Yes, oh, I started God. out... Started oh, out so Renee final Gaffer. name. Duh. Yeah, duh. Pam, hello. Yeah, yeah I do remember that. You know, and I, I read your book so long ago. I need to re... Actually, I've read it twice, but I've, I read it so long ago. I need to reread it. But yours is like mine. I actually had five... I've tested... I tested four and then three cousins. So I did five DNA tests to find, um, or six, I guess, to find my birth father. I mean, that it's so frustrating. I mean, to hear no, 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 you know, and then it's like, now which one, you know? <laughs> because I had to test cousins because there, our fathers are all deceased. So three gentlemen and then three cousins to see which one of their dads were my father. And right. it's, that's the most devastating thing to do, you know, to find out, okay, who am I biologically related to? And my birth mother lied as to the name. And the name on the chart or in the file was the wrong name. And she said she lied because she didn't want my grandmother to know who was the real person. She was never going to see the file. What difference did that make? You know? Well, the adoption, adoption. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. adoption is is one of the greatest assaults on and the hiding of one's identity is just an absolute assault of someone's human dignity. And I, you know, it it continues to go on, but hopefully we'll live long enough, Pam, to see the, see the end of it. Because I don't think yeah. any, any human being or in, any institution should have the ability to destroy someone's past, to destroy right. their identity. Right. It, it, it's just yeah. a shame what we go through. I mean... You know, there there were a set of us that did not know our birth fathers. I don't know how many there was in our group, over 10 of us, I would say. And I think all of us now, maybe one or two at, at most, don't have a confirmation, but most of us now, thanks to DNA, now have our birth fathers confirmed. And, right. you know, up until two years ago, we were all still, you know, wondering who our birth fathers were. Thank goodness for DNA. Right. I mean, we would still be sitting here wondering. And, you know, and it was like a nightmare to not know. So, you know, it's it's... It's not fair. It's just, it's not fair. Well, and it haunted me because, uh, you know. Yeah, I was, 
that's exactly the word I was going to use. It's not knowing is haunting. Yep. It's a haunting despair that, you know, sometimes you can stuff it back in the box for periods of time and, and then it raises its ugly head again. And it's, well, that's why the suicide rate is as significant as it is among adoptees. It's, it, it's life-changing to not know who you are and to find out who you are both. It's life-changing. I remember, you know, standing with Michael Levis in that, uh, in that field out, you know, where they hold the festival and him looking me up and down. And I knew that, you know, for the first time in my life, I was communicating with someone who had actually laid eyes on my father and knew him. And that was so profound for me. And Michael saying, you know, you you laugh just like your dad. And your wow. skin is just like your dad. And you only have to watch me walk down the street to to know whose daughter I am because I walk just like him. So, wow. you know, those, those physical attributes uh, are so comforting. You know, they're, they're comforting in a cellular kind of way. I, th- I find that so, in, and whether he had been, you know, like you said, a cotton farmer or whatever, those things get transferred, and that's what people don't realize that are outside of this, you know, you know, adoptee land, those things, you know, are transferred to us, and it is, like you said, you know, cellular, and, you know, people don't don't realize that. And, yeah, we do get things from our environment. Those things do get transferred to us, too. So we are products of our environment, but I can remember being at my birth mom's house, and it's early on in knowing her. I did some, I said something, and how I did it, and how my voice sounded, how my body moved, it was just like her. And everybody in the room just kind of was, what? Like it was just this weird, like everyone just stopped. They were like, that was just like my mom. And I couldn't have picked up. It was too soon. So how do we do that? Our brain is just programmed. And I remember thinking, oh, my, you know, we are just like that. And so for our peeps that haven't completed this reunion yet or haven't been able to make that connection, that hurts. And and they want it, and they need it. And sometimes they'll say, well, it's okay if I haven't been able to do it. No, it's not okay. No, it's not because it hurts. And they want to make that connection. And, you know, they want reunions, even if it's on just this bare level, you know. Um, and I, 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 with Indiana's law changing, we're going to be flooded next year. And... You know, I just, I just wish I could, you know, help everybody, and I can't, but I wish I could. You know, um, I just well, know I've that heard, there's you know, be so many people. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that we all have our our path to tread, 
and as adoptees, you know that that sometimes it's it's pretty wicked if you can't if you can't make some connections. But I, I think I, I do I do believe that the process is of value, whatever that means. You know, whether it means there ultimately is a connection or there isn't. The process is so very important in terms of getting to know yourself and your motivations, your expectations, your hopes, all of that, and to be and to be aware of that, and you know, have a therapist if you need a therapist to help you uh, process it and and figure out what it means, because the 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 process is of value, no matter what comes down the down the road. I do believe that. I spent many, you know, I spent many years in the process. <laughs> I didn't. Right. I didn't just start looking for them and finding them. I lived most of my adult life in in the process. So right. I, I learned a lot about myself. Now, you know, what I can say is, you know, once I figured out that I was a, I was a Churchill, and then I found my biological mother. Uh, I saw right away where my my most significant traits came from how they kind of melded together from these two people and you know there's no doubt that you know you can you just can't beat that connection to ancestry you just you can't right and you I know agree. the way we the way we the way we think is you know they're they're doing more and more studies on you know ancestral traumas and what families uh, have gone through as as a group over years, over centuries, and how that has been encoded in our DNA and what that means for us as individuals. So, uh, you know, there were there were plenty of people when I discovered Winston Churchill was my granddad. That just just had a good belly laugh about it because they know me, and they could see that so clearly. So right. that's that's valuable. But I was that person before I ever found him. Right. You know, I was that person then. And I still am. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's funny when you when when you find that discovery and then people go, oh, my gosh, I can see that now. You know what I mean? That, mm-hmm. you know, once somebody can point that out to you and they go, oh, I see it. You know, I can see those. You know, those characteristics, you know, not that they weren't there before, but once you can point them out or that they, that you're connected to that person, you know, they can see it. Um, Yeah. Well, I've been, I've been extraordinarily, I've been extraordinarily blessed all the way around because I had adoptive parents who were lovely and I had a wonderful childhood and just, you know, an idyllic childhood in Midwestern America. And my my mother, who is still alive, she's 91, my adoptive mom, uh, has always been very supportive of me, even when she did not understand. You know, a couple of years ago, I I sat her down and I said, Mom, you know, I think... I would like this thing to come full circle, and I think I'd finally like to have the name that I would have had when I was born, if that's okay. And her eyes filled with tears, 
And she said, I absolutely understand. Wow. So it just, you know, it doesn't get any better than that. Wow. It doesn't get any better than that. And I know she didn't understand, and that was okay. I didn't expect her to. Because as you've said and Reshma said, you know, day before yesterday, it is absolutely impossible to unknow what you know. And people who are not adopted and who have not had that void to deal with in their reality, you know, in their in their very identity, there's no way they can wrap around it. It's just, it's not even fair to ask them to, really. Uh but I've been I've been fortunate that I had that support because I can tell you had my mother not taken that posture it would have been very very difficult for me. Um, well, I can tell you right now that would n- never have happened in my life. <laughs> not yeah, in yeah. a sense and you know where. And I think that's probably true for a majority of us um, listening. The adoptive parents who have the mindset to be able to say, I understand when actually, if they do or don't, is very few. Um, Most adoptive parents, for whatever reason, can't or won't, you know. Um, whether Whether they'd like to, you know. Um, it's it's a hard road. Even even you know some adoptees who have gone on to adopt, you know, have talked about um, you know saying you know I I want to be I want to understand and you know I want to be that you know parent that gets it you know it's still hard you know. Um, well, I think I, I think it has everything to do with the fact that from the very beginning of the search, I made mom a part of it. Uh, yeah. And she told me, she told me from the very beginning, you know, if I knew, if I had anything to tell you, I would. You know, I would not right. keep anything from you. She right. went, she was with me when I uh, showed up at the county courthouse in Newkirk, Oklahoma, and the clerk mistakenly uh, gave me every single court document related to my adoption. She thought I had a court order, and in reality, all I had was a, an adoption decree. She mm-hmm. Xeroxed everything for me. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so my mom, my mom has been there from the beginning. So she has seen me. Mm-hmm. She has seen me like a slow motion movie trying to deal with the ups and downs, the disappointments. And there have been many times when, there were many times when she and my dad, before he died, said to me, honey, you're never going to find them. You're never going, you have absolutely nothing to go on. And I didn't. Right. And I said, well, I just, I can't accept that. I have to find them. Right. So, you know, you keep, you, you, beat those bushes a different way and you come up with another idea and you pursue another avenue and you talk to the kids of people who were alive at that time because the people who who were alive then are all deceased and you you continue pushing on 
uh, and talking and talking to everyone you can find to talk about to get clues, to get directive. And that's what I did. But there, there was many a dark night, I can assure you. I remember uh, I had a pretty good idea that it was the Churchills, but I couldn't prove it. And I thought, I'm going to go to my grave thinking this is the case, but I'm never going to have any, anything definitive. And it was, it was very, very depressing. I was sitting at my desk, and I wound up on YouTube watching my, my grandfather's funeral from 1965. And I just sobbed, you know, for two hours I just sobbed thinking that there was nowhere to go. And there was absolutely nowhere to go. And it was during that time that I guess you could say that was my darkest hour, if you're going to use a Churchill, a Churchill thing, that I began to think, you know, the the people who were actually involved were not are not alive, but their kids are. Even though their kids weren't kids anymore, they were in their 60s and 70s. And but I kept telling myself, you know, people talk, people talk, and if you right. keep pushing on, you'll, you'll find somebody who knows something about someone. And that's exactly what happened the following week. I finally got the connection between Tonka Law and the man that my mother was saying was my biological father who was the fourth in a line of last names and i knew i knew that i was on the right track but right. It, you know i i had a good 20 years of pretty bleak and it's it's so. hard to believe that that much time goes by i mean how are we are we that tenacious that we because to push at it that long you know i mean you know, I my search didn't last that long. I did it in 10 months. But for me, the lie of who my birth father was lasted for 16 years. So I had to just keep pushing at it. And, you know, how do we hold on that long? I mean, are are we just that determined? You know, we're tired of being a secret, so we, we hold on. And, you know, my, my adoptive mom was a part of mine the whole time and that didn't change anything um, yeah so you know it I don't I just don't think for her the it's just, it was just too hard you know for her I think and and it's it's okay because I understand but even now with my my birth mom being deceased it's still hard you know there it, she just can't she can't do it and well, it's I all, just, you know, it, it's all about her. You know, it's it's all about her, uh-huh. and everybody, everybody internalizes this this phenomenon of adoption differently. Mm-hmm. You know, and adoptive parents, adoptive parents are no different. They all have their own right. baggage, right. their own stories, their own background. Well, and yeah. I can't imagine that it, it. This is not easy for any of us. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and. The lack of education during that time frame. I mean, you know, I'll be 50 years old this year, and 50 years ago, there was not the education. You know, and that that's where we went wrong. I mean, and, you know, what makes me crazy, though, is 
here we are 50 years later, and we're still trying to educate, you know. And so, you know, I guess this this month and this time frame and, you know, doing this show with you is that's where we need to go, and that's what we need to do. And, you know, I just think every year we're going to be farther along. And I think we do make strides. It's not that we don't, but, you know, I feel like we just don't make big enough strides. But, again, you know, we just have to keep plugging away at it. And, you know, the more we tell our stories and we have to just not be quiet about it. We just have to keep talking. And well, and I, because I know, think I that's think the adoption. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You go ahead. That's okay. You go ahead. I, I was just going to say, you know, I, I think adoptees are the adoptive community is really good at eating their own. And yes. I, I think it's so important that everyone remember that adoption stories are as unique as the people on the planet. That they're all they're all different. They're all valid. They're all important. Everyone's reality is very different because of their personal experiences. And I, you know, I I totally agree. I'll echo Reshma again that the voice that needs to resonate in this country and around this issue is the voice of the adoptee, because we are the only ones, the only ones, who can speak to the reality of adoption. Right. And, you know, historically, it's been anyone who's profiting monetarily from adoption, uh, you know, it's been legislators or it's been uh, adoption agencies or it's been attorneys or, you know, this one or that one, adoptive parents. But the the only people who know what it's like to be adopted, guess what? They're all adoptees. So I, yes. I hope that I think we're beginning to see a little shift in that, a little awareness of that. I hope so. Right. Well, that that's true, and I I'd like to see that stop because that's that's the downfall of us is when we when we eat our own, and you know that's why we do the conference. We did you know the one this year that you were part of. We're going to do the one next year. And um, so, everybody, I want you to make sure you check out on our um, website. It's indianaadoptinetwork.org. Go check it out. As we get closer, we'll post more about the details. Um, It's Racing to Records. Um, As you guys all know, Indiana's records will be open in um, July of 2018. It's the first. We'll actually do it on the 2nd. We're going to have an opening day at the State Library. Um, but, you guys, this is this is why we need to stick together, um, stay together, and understand that we don't all have the same story. We're not at the same place as each other. And, you know, like, like Rhonda said, like Rushman and I talked about, we are not all at the same understanding. So please take the understanding with each other and um, stick together, you guys. Um, Rhonda, where can everybody go to get your book, Fifth and Final Name? It is available on uh, Amazon, on Audible, if you like to listen, uh, Barnes & Noble, 
Um, yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay, you guys, you guys need to go get her book. Thanks for being on today. Um, you know, I I love your story. It's an amazing one, and everybody, you guys need to go listen and read and whatever and get all the details to it. There's way more to it that you guys didn't get to hear about today. And you guys, thanks for listening today. And remember, care about your, your peeps. And um, same as always, you guys, guys, and green lights until next time. Thanks, Rhonda, for being on. Cheers, Pam. Okay, bye, everybody.